In the second reading, we are told that we are to pray for all people because God desires all people to be saved. The second reading is from 1 Timothy, the second chapter. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Two weeks ago, you probably don't remember the sermon title. Two weeks ago, the sermon title was, Don't Sign the Loan Papers Until You're Sure You Can Make the Payments. Remember that? Most of us have taken out loans, and we know you don't sign the loan papers until you're sure you can, make, you can pay the loan back. And that... that sermon came out of a teaching of Jesus where he was on his way to Jerusalem and there was a crowd behind him and he turned around and he said if you want to be my disciples you have to hate your mother and father and sister and brother you have to take up your cross and follow me and in that teaching of Jesus we found that the teachings of Jesus are very severe in some places that Jesus makes absolute demands upon people more than once over the last several weeks I've talked about the narrow door, the narrow road, the narrow gate, the narrow door that to be a Christian makes demands upon us. And at the end of that sermon, I promised you that I would not hide the cross behind the door. Remember that? Remember my door? I promised you that I would not lighten up on the Christian message so that it would be more acceptable to you. I promised you that I would not be like a mother who blows on the soup or blows on the oatmeal so that it doesn't burn the child's mouth. And today's message is, is in that tradition. And it may be that what I have to say would be a, a challenge for some. It may bring some, some heartache, some difficulty to some, but I promised you I would not hide the cross behind the door. Now, the text here is from, the, is from 1 Timothy chapter 2, where Timothy writes, Paul writes 
God desires everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's desire. That everyone be saved and that everyone come to the knowledge of the truth. But what's behind that is this. Is that not everybody will be saved. God's desire is that everyone be saved, but it's clear here that not everyone will be saved. Think about John 3.16. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish. That those who don't believe in Jesus Christ perish. There's a downside to the gospel. It's hard. Remember, here again, here's the teaching of the narrow doors and the narrow road. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it. The gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. That's a tough teaching. That there is a, there is a judgment. And not everybody is saved. In the 20s, the student Christian movement had a wonderful saying. It was this, the world for Christ in our generation. I love that. That should always be the church's motto. The world for Christ in this generation. And their hope was that in their generation, the world will be saved, the world will be brought to Christ. But we know that that didn't happen. As hard as they tried, that didn't happen. And in our day, in our day, far from the, for people coming to Christ, people are leaving Christ, people are leaving the church. Christianity is shrinking, especially in the Western world. And more and more people are going down the wide road through the wide gate and the wide door, and you know where those lead, don't you? They lead to destruction. But that's not God's will. God's will is that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? Well, John 3.16 is the truth. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 1 Corinthians 15. Here is the truth. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that, on the third, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That he appeared to Peter and the rest. That's the truth. Just this past week, I was playing golf, and I got hooked up with a guy, um, uh, with a friend of mine, and we got hooked up with a guy, and outside of my hearing, the guy said something that was, that my friend thought I shouldn't hear, and he told the guy that he's a pastor. Okay. And so um, the guy came to me and said, oh, you're a pastor? I said, yes, that's right. And I said to him, well, you know, since you asked me if I'm a pastor, I said, are you a Christian? And he, he said some things about what he believed. None of them was Christian, but he believed them, and he's free to believe them. And then I told him, listen, I'm in the news business. The church is in the news business. The gospel means good news. I said, here's the good news. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we talked about that. And then 
we were on this green had he missed an easy birdie putt. And I thought, well, you might have missed that because we and I were talking. He said, no, it was my fault. And the upshot of it was, he wants to play with me again. <laughs> and he's going to get more of the same. <laughs> because it's God's will that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, the preaching about hell and damnation and condemnation has gone out of style. You don't find much of that in my preaching. You almost find none of it. And yet it's always, it's always in the background. Whenever we say the Apostles' Creed, we say, he shall come again to do what? To, ju to judge the living and the dead. Jesus talked about the sheep and the goats. Now, it's a wonderful thing to talk about the world for Christ in our generation. Because that helps us, it lifts us up, up our eyes to see the world, to see this, this place that needs Jesus Christ. And it takes us off the mission field that's closest to us, and that's our family. And that's what this is about. Our family. Because I think in almost every family, there are people who are on the wide road going through the wide gate, going through the wide door, and you know where those things go. The hardest people to talk to about the Christian faith are people in our own family. And yet, that's the most important mission field for you and for me. The world out there, yes, the world out there, but the people we love closest to home people we care about and worry about. And God de desires that all people come, be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So I want to tell you some stories about my own experience sharing Christ with other people close to me. Because I worried about people who I, I thought were not saved. Am I judging them? Yes, of course I'm judging them. They're nice people, they're honorable people for most part, but they live outside of Christ and they choose the wide door. Many years ago, my sister's first husband was dying of cancer. And he lived in New York and we made trips to New York every year to see my mom and dad. And uh, one summer when we went to New York, Jack came to the house, to my mom and dad's house, and we sat down and we talked about, I talked to him about Jesus. Because he knew he was dying and I knew he was dying. I had known him since I was 12. Growing up, I was active in my church. I never invited him to church. I never invited him to youth group. I never talked to him about Jesus. I didn't think that was my job. And if I had thought about it, I wouldn't have known what to say because I might not wanted to offend him because that's one reason we don't talk to people about Jesus is they think we're going to offend them. So I hadn't talked to him. So there we sat one day, two old friends. One of them 
hale and hearty. Another one on his way to death. And I talked to him about Jesus. And I talked to him about salvation. I talked to him about grace. I talked to him about the love of God. I talked to him about the cross, how Christ had died for him. I explained it to him. When I was done, he said, why didn't anybody ever tell me this before? Well, he had been baptized. I won't tell you what church, but he had been baptized. He lived with his sister, and his sister didn't go to church, and her kids didn't go to church, and he certainly didn't go to church. But along the way, how can you not hear the Christian message from somebody? He must have heard it, but he didn't hear it. It went in and out, and it didn't, make, it didn't register on him. And now, as he faced death, he said, why didn't anybody ever tell me this before? And then he said, that sounds too good to be true. How can that story about Jesus really be true? It sounds too good to be true. And I assured him it was true. There's one friend to another. And then the conversation kind of drifted away and I never saw him again. And he died. But at least once in his life, he heard the gospel. Because God desires all people to come to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what God wants. I've told this story before about my dad. My dad was a, was a great guy. I loved my dad, but my dad was not a churchgoer. Dad was a baptism. He wasn't even a, a Christmas, Easter churchgoer. It was baptisms, confirmations, and weddings. Dad just didn't go to church. And over the years, I tried to witness to my father and, and share the gospel. He didn't, want to, he didn't want to hear it. He, just, he was such a private guy, he just didn't want to hear it. And um, I prayed for my dad. I prayed for my dad for 15 years that somehow God would open his ears to hear the gospel. Give me some way to share the gospel with him. 15 years. And one year for his birthday, I sent him a letter. This is one way you can witness. I sent him a letter, and I gave him my Christian witness, and I gave him my Christian testimony. I told him all about Jesus, and I sent it to him. And the next, Sunday, next year when we went to New York, he didn't say a word. The next year, he didn't say a word. So finally, I said, Dad, did you ever get my letter? And my dad says, yes, I got your letter. And it will be in my layaway suit. You know what a layaway suit is? That's the last suit he'll ever wear. My dad said, that will be in my layaway suit. And what I think he, meant, he was meaning is that when he meets God, he's going to take out this letter and say, my son wrote this, and this is what I believe. In his layaway suit. 
1966, we were moving from Rogers and going to Norway. And uh, we had a couple of days stayover uh, in New York to see my mom and dad before we went to Norway. And on the flight from Arkansas to New York, I got terribly, terribly sick. And that night, uh, we stayed with my sister. And the next morning, we went to see my mom and dad. And my dad said, I hope you're feeling better. I've been praying for you all night. I didn't know he was a man of prayer. I didn't know he believed in prayer. But there he was praying for me. That was as much a testimony as that private Norwegian could give. But it told me that 15 years of prayer had been answered. Third story, one of my favorite stories. We were serving in Rogers, and one day a young, a young married lady came to my office. She wanted to talk to me about her grandfather. She was his grandfather's favorite granddaughter, and granddad had had a heart attack. And uh, grandpa's health wasn't good, and uh, she worried about him because grandpa wasn't a Christian. Grandpa wasn't baptized, and she wanted to know what she should do because she loved him. Well, I said, you have to talk to him about Jesus. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I can't talk to him about Jesus, and yet she loved him. I said, you have to. You have to talk to him about Jesus. And she said, what about baptism? Well, I said, you have to baptize him. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. He'll never go to church. What will he do? I said, you have to talk to him about Jesus. And you have to baptize him. And before you do, you need to pray for him. Then I had been praying for my dad 10, 12, 14 years, I don't know. I said, look, you're going to plant a seed. And before you plant a seed, you have to plow the ground. So you have to pray for your grandpa. You're going to, God, God wants to do this. You're not asking God to do something he doesn't want to do because God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I said, you have to pray for your grandpa get the ground ready and in the proper time God will give you the opportunity to plant the seed. She came back several weeks later with this report. One day she was with her grandpa and he wanted to go and visit his mother's grave. Can you see the hand of God at work? And she got to take him alone. Can you see the hand of God at work? When they got to his mother's grave, he began to cry. Was he crying because he missed her? 
Or was he crying because he knew he would soon be down there with her? And she said to him, Grandpa, do you know where you'll be when you die? And Grandpa didn't know. So she told him about Jesus. She told him about the cross. She told him about salvation. Very simply. Is there anybody here who couldn't do that? Been coming to church your whole life, couldn't you do that if you had to do that? If you talked to him about baptism. If he wanted to be baptized, he would baptize her. They got back to the house, and uh, the first thing that happened, he went to his wife and asked if she had been baptized, and she said no. And the young lady asked, would you like to be baptized? And they both said yes. So in the parlor, they set up a, a table, and on the table were two candles and a cross that his mother had embroidered. And in the background, they were playing a record of a song that was sung at their wedding, sung by the pastor who had married them. And in that setting, with tears running down her cheeks, she baptized her grandpa. And she baptized her grandma. And she was crying. And they were crying. And when it was over, he turned to his wife of many years. And he said to her something they had never heard him say before. He said, I love you. And they embraced. All because a young Christian loved her grandpa and loved her grandma and wanted them to be saved because she knew that God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's true in many families, if not all, that you think about somebody that you think is outside of grace, that you think is on the wide road and the wide gate and the wide path, and you worry that uh, they will perish. You worry about their eternal welfare. What can you do? You can pray. You can plow the ground before you plant the seed. Because as you plow the ground, the ground becomes fertile, and God will give you the opportunity at the right time to plant the seed. If you say you don't know what to say, listen, here is the principle. A witness given in obedience, regardless of how halting and how dumb it sounds, if it lifts up Jesus Christ, a witness given in obedience, even though it's a halting witness, is better than uh, nothing done in disobedience. It's 
better to give it a shot. Give God a chance. Say a word for Jesus to someone you love. Because God desires that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And the truth is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen.